of you are ready for the word. You excited to hear the word? We have been in a series called What's the Deal with Church? You remember the last couple weeks, Pastor Kevin has shared what's the deal with church and it has been powerful. And we're gonna continue that message. But just like the last couple times I've shared, um, I've opened with a story and it just kind of keeps seeming to happen. So are, can, can we do a quick little story together? Is that okay? Story time? Can we? Okay, I'm just gonna do it anyway, but it's fine. Here we go. Look at, oh, story time with Maria. Here we go. Oh, actually, hold on, I forgot my prop. I have a prop this time, it's great. All right. There was an old wise man who grew sicker by the day. He felt that his journey on earth is about to come to an end. However, his son was still a young man and had yet to reach his full potential. And so the father took it upon himself to teach his son the ways of the world before death comes knocking. One morning, the old man called for the young man and handed him a watch. The watch was a family heirloom that's been passed down for generations. The boy had never seen it before though, so he didn't quite know what to make of it. What am I supposed to do with this watch, father, asked the boy. I want you to go to town and take the watch to the jeweler. Show him the watch and ask him how much it's worth, but don't accept any offer. Instead, come back home with the watch. The boy did as he was instructed. He marched into town to hear what the jeweler had to say. After the watch was appraised, the boy went back home to his father. So what happened? How much money did the jeweler offer for the watch? His son, looking defeated, spoke while scratching his head. I don't know, father. I tried haggling with the jeweler, but in the end, he didn't offer much. He said it was only worth $100 because it's so old. The father was nodding his head, seemingly in agreement with the jeweler's assessment. His son continued, the jeweler said he was taking a gamble on buying the watch and that he'd have a hard time finding a buyer. And if I'm being honest, I kind of agree with him. I don't think this watch is anything special. Okay, the father said, now take the watch to the pawn shop. See how much you can get for the watch. His son replied, what do you hope to sell it for? I don't think the pawn shop is going to make you a better offer than the jeweler. Just humor me, son. Your best friend owns a pawn shop, right? Don't you think he'll give you a fair offer? In his mind, the boy disagreed, but he didn't want to argue with his ailing father, so he did the job anyway. He even went above and beyond and went to see two friends who were both working in pawn shops. However, he still went home looking defeated. Father, I went to a couple of friends who work in pawn shops, but they both gave me worse offers. The best I got was $20. They told me that the watch had problems. There were scratches that even I didn't notice after carrying it with me all day. The father yet again nodded in agreement. So what do you want me to do? Should I go back to the jeweler? After all, he's willing to pay more money. No, said the old man, I want you to go to the museum. There's a woman there that I want you to talk to. I sense that this person will have a better idea of what this watch is really worth. His son, now starting to get annoyed by all this back and forth, reluctantly agreed to walk all the way to the museum to look for his father's friend. What's this person hoping to say about this watch that I haven't heard already, he said to himself. After talking to the museum lady, he suddenly went out the door and ran back home to tell his old man the good news. Night had finally set in by the time he had gotten home. You won't believe it. My trip was a success. We finally got an amazing offer. Oh, really? Yeah, the lady said that this watch is one of a kind. She says she never thought she'd see one in person. She said the museum would like to buy it from us so that they can put it on display. The old man with a grin in his face asked, so how much did she say it was worth? 
$35,000. I didn't realize I was holding on to something so valuable. With that much money, our family could really enjoy life. To think the jeweler and the pawn shops I visited had it so wrong. Should we sell it? I'm glad for you, son, said his dad. You can do what you want with that watch after I'm dead. What's more important to me right now is that you learn something about value and self-worth. What do you mean, asked his son. You see, just like that watch, you too have value. And if you go to the wrong places, you'll never know just how much value you have. Even your own friends can get it wrong. But there's always a place you can go to where everyone will see your real value. That's a lesson I'm trying to teach you. The son was wondering about the point of doing all this. But upon hearing his father's explanation, he had a newfound respect for him. His father continued, one day you'll have a family of your own. You'll have your own kids. Maybe you'll get lucky and have a daughter like you always wanted. To ensure their happiness, you'll have to teach them the same things that I'm teaching you right now. The old man's son learned a lot that night. The family may not be rich, but that didn't matter. His father's words were far more valuable than the watch he spent all day getting appraised. You know, it's interesting because I love that story. You say, Pastor Maria, what does that have to do with what we're talking about today? We're talking about what's the deal with church. You know, our culture, our society, other voices in our life may try to tell us what something is worth. But if we don't understand fully what something is, if we don't understand what its design was, the value of a thing, then we don't understand the value of a thing, right? And our culture and society currently, how many of you have heard, I mean, everywhere you go, society and culture are screaming at us about the value of church. Maybe that it's not worth something. Maybe that it's not that big of a deal, a, a deal to be a part of it or not to be a part of it. Maybe that it's broken or it's a scam or it's not really worth something. And how many times do we listen to outside voices who really don't understand what church is anyway? They don't know the creator of church, but we start to take the value of church from outside voices and opinions who don't understand it. But when you go to the one who created it and you begin to understand it, begin to, dis to figure out what, why it was created, how it was created and the message behind it, the value of it begins to change. The value of a thing begins to change. And today I hope to help us understand the value of church. We've been talking about different metaphors with the body of Christ, with, with the church in general. And today we'll talk about the body of Christ, but we've talked about the first week was a powerful message about the church in general. And even Jesus himself, himself standing in the midst of his churches. Do you remember that? That image that God gave John in the book of Revelation. And it was a picture of Jesus standing right in the very center of his churches. It was so powerful. And then last week we talked about the, the image of the church being the temple of God. That we are the temple of God. 
right? And today we're gonna talk about the body of Christ. But there's a couple of things that I wanna touch on before we dive into that because the church is so important. Jesus himself said, and he was talking about Peter when he said this, but Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Obviously, Peter wasn't a piece of stone. He was a human being. But Jesus himself said, I will build my church. So he's personally getting involved in the process. But see, it was something new. This was a new concept that they didn't have a full concept of what the church was at that point in time. Because up until Jesus came, they were the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. But things were about to change. It was about to shift. Up until that time, in order to communicate with God, they went through prophets and priests. They had to go to a temple to connect with God, right? But last week we heard that we are the temple of God. So now everything was changing. This was new. The concept of the church being the body of Christ, being the temple of God, it was new to them. History was changing because of Jesus. Things were changing. Jesus made it possible now for us to be a nation of kings and priests. He tore the veil. So now we had to have direct access to the throne room because he made us holy. We didn't have to go through all of the systems and processes and sacrifices and cleansing. Can we get an amen? That's powerful. Thank you, Jesus, for that. We also had, have now the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's powerful. They didn't get that prior to that. But because of the work of Jesus, now we individually are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That's powerful. To do good works and to be his body. Metaphors of the temple of God and the body of Christ were designed and put all the way throughout scripture to help people begin to understand who they were and how this church thing was meant to function because it was different. And just like last week we heard, we are the temple of God. We are carriers of his presence. And so we talked a lot about protecting and taking care of our temple. So we're going to talk today about the body of Christ. And Jesus died for his church, his body, and that that's something worth valuing. Amen. So when we talk about this, I want to talk for just a second about identity. That word identity, it says this. The definition of identity is this, that your identity plays a significant role in determining how we understand and experience the world, as well as shaping the types of opportunities and challenges we face. So your identity, who you perceive yourself to be, has a big role in determining how you experience and understand and how you live your life. Would you say that that's true? Yeah, my identity, I live from that place. It gives you a sense of belonging and membership and helps you establish boundaries and make decisions that serve you, right? If I say that I am something, then I am gonna live from that place. I'm a part of that community. I can set boundaries in my own life that say that I'm valuable or I'm not valuable. And then I'll allow myself to be treated in a way that either that signifies what, if I feel that I'm valuable, then I have boundaries in my life that only allow me to be treated a certain way. But if I feel as though I'm not valuable and that I'm worthless, then there I may allow behavior and treatment of myself that mirror my identity. Yeah? Identity is a big deal. And it's interesting then that when you open up scripture and begin to read about the church, the verbiage and the language used 
and if you really read into it, talks about our identity, that the church is our identity. So talking about these metaphors that we're gonna about to hear and talking about the body of Christ, this now is taking, it is our identity. It's the place that we're supposed to live from, amen? And kingdom culture supersedes any other belief system, right? 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says this, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. So if I've given my life to Jesus, then my identity now is that I am a part of the body of Christ. So when I give my life to the Lord, I in that moment lay down my old self, my old past and my old identity, positive or negative. It's not an option for me to give my life to Christ and hang on to my old identity. There's a great exchange that happens at that moment, right? There's a great exchange that happens at that moment. Galatians 2.20 says this, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the son of God, amen? So I'm, it's a great exchange. My old life, positive or negative, whatever went on, that's no longer the main point of my life. I don't live from that place of identity now. There's a great exchange happening. I'm picking up his identity, amen? So in his identity, it's important to understand that he calls us his body. We are his body. Ephesians 1, through 23 says this, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Let that sink in for a minute because maybe we've heard these scriptures, but I'm just pausing and talking a little bit slow here because I want us to understand that it isn't just, it, it, scripture lays this out so that we can understand how the church is suppo- supposed to function, but it's also who we are, right? So when we learn about who we are, we just talked about the definition of identity then. So then it begins to affect what, let's go back to the definition. It affects our role in determining how we understand and experience the world. Well, let's pause there for a second. Let's just pause right there. If my identity is part of the body of Christ, then that should affect how I understand and how I experience the world and interact with the world. There should be a shift from before I was saved, I may have experienced and understood the world one way. And when I lay my life down and surrender to the Lord and he becomes Lord of my life, there is a great exchange that takes place. And the way that I understood and experienced the world, now I'm gonna, it's going to change because I'm gonna understand and experience the world from a different identity, exchanging one for where I am now in the body of Christ. So my outlook is going to change. Your identity shapes the types of opportunities and challenges we face, right? So when I, shapes how you look at that. So when I may face a situation or circumstance before Jesus, I might look at that and say, I have to do this all on my own. I'm rejected, I'm alone, I'm by myself in this. Nobody cares for me, nobody loves me. 
or it's all about me, whatever that mindset is. But now I've given my life to Christ. I've laid that down. I'm gonna step into my identity as a child of God. I'm replacing one way of thinking, picking up God's identity, which we know kingdom supersedes, right? Right? So now I'm standing over here. So now when I face situations and circumstances, I face it from being a part of the body of Christ, a, part, a child of God, right? All of that changes. So when I walk through situations and circumstances, I'm no longer hopeless. I'm no longer helpless. I'm no longer a victim. I'm no longer lost and alone and afraid and rejected or having to do it all on my own shoulders, right? Now I live from a different place. Do you see how that changes? Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this, God saved you by grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Amen. We're created new in Christ Jesus. We're part of the body of Christ. So now, as we engage the enemy, our viewpoint isn't from being alone or having to take this on by myself or being an outsider. Now I have a different identity. I'm a part of the body of Christ. As I pray, I pray from a different place. Can I get an amen? I'm not praying as an outsider begging to hear from my God, begging him to answer me. I pray from the position of being a child of God who is a part of the body of Christ. Can, think about that for a minute. That's powerful. As I look at my potential, I don't look at my potential just limited to what I have, right, in my own self. When I look at my potential, I realize I have everything that God's placed in me, but then I have his super that comes on my natural and that can do anything because God is limitless. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? There's no stopping me as a child of God. If he's called me to do something, if he's placed a dream in my heart, my potential is limitless because I'm connected to the body of Christ. I'm connected to the God who is limitless. So the limits that I place on myself are from a past mentality. They're from a past identity, not from his. Not from his. When I look at my gender and the limitations that may be placed there, or my ethnicity, what I've experienced in my life, You know, pre-Jesus, we may have one thought, but a part of the body, there's neither male nor female, slave nor free. There's no, he, God isn't looking at your, how, how you grew up. He's not looking at what other people have said about you or placed limits on you. He doesn't see any of that. So now I live on this side, part of Christ's body. Limitless, limitless. God puts trust in us to continue his work. And he, you know, it's interesting. He didn't just send the angels to do it all. As a part of his body, he gave us the great commission. He gave it to us. You know, I love... Um, I love the illustration of the body of Christ. Because again, if you think about it, when Jesus came and he looked at Peter 
And he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And I said earlier, Peter wasn't just a stone, you know, like he was, he, I like Peter. He was a fire starter, right? He was anointed. He was just unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love the fact that Jesus was saying, I'm gonna build my church. And I love that he began to illustrate it as the body of Christ. Because it's all of us working together seamlessly and fluidly. If you picture a body, when it functions well, right? Like when it functions well, it's all working together fluidly. But there's a couple of places, it's interesting, we've talked about this part where it, not all of us all the time feel connected or feel a part of the body. And maybe you've been there. I've been there at times. There may be lies that we believe that keep us out of the body of Christ, but yet God still uses that illustration. So if you have your Bibles, the whole, this whole next scripture isn't necessarily going to be on the screen. But I want us to take out our Bibles and read this together. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, you can go there. Otherwise, you can look on. Starts with verse 12. So 12, 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews and some are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the most honorable parts do not require this, that special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the believers, the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Now, two things I want to point out here. And we've taught this. If you've been in one of our Equips classes, you've heard this next part. Or if you've been at our staff meetings, you've heard this too, because we talked about this with our team. Oftentimes, it's difficult, and I set this up a second ago, some of, sometimes we don't often feel a part of the body of Christ, and the enemy would love to make us feel like we're disconnected. Right? But the illustration isn't that there's millions of little individuals' body, bodies running around, is it? The illustration is that we are one body of Christ working together. God didn't choose to illustrate it that we get to all be our own little churches doing however, going however, wherever we want. He just said that we all had to work together seamlessly and we all had different roles and different parts to play in the body of Christ. That's the illustration he gave us. 
right? So in this, I love this because again, they're teaching the church. This is how a church is supposed to function. This is what it looks like. You are a body. You might be set in a different house, right? You might be set in different churches because we, and we know that there were multiple churches all around the different cities and areas because of proximity and they had to gather together, but they were teaching them, listen, you are a body of Christ. And this is God's intent and his design that we're all connected whether we want to be or not, we are all connected. (laughs) That's kind of fun, right? I mean, some of us might sit there and be like, well, I'll be connected to those, but really, God, those? There's a few of them. We are all connected. And this is a great teaching and illustration to help us understand that God has in his great wisdom and Jesus in his design of the church has put us together and said, listen, you are a body. Christ is the head. He is the leader of this whole thing. And so we as his body come together in unity. And so why do you think the enemy, I mean, why, why does it surprise us that the enemy would try to, to destroy and cause breaks and cracks inside of the church for so many years. Because when they come together, when the body of Christ comes together and functions as a body, come on, there is no limit to what we can do. But there are mindsets that we may have to change and thought processes that we may have to come out of agreement with in order to function as the body which means we may have to lay down our old way of thinking, which goes back to identity, right? Which goes back to before Jesus, it was one way. But when I gave my life to the Lord, I didn't give my life to the Lord with one foot back toe sticking out over here. It's all or nothing. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. When you give your life to Jesus, you surrender completely to him. He is Lord, which means he gets to call the shots and he's in the driver's seat. And we walk in obedience to what he says. So if he says one thing, then it's yes, sir. Yes, Lord, I will do what you have said. Amen? Which means the cross is a beautiful illustration. Coming to the cross is where his will and our will intersects and mine dies. Mine dies. But our flesh doesn't always like that. Our flesh doesn't like to be uncomfortable. Our flesh doesn't like to have to surrender to what God wants because it's our flesh. It's this thing. But guess what? You don't have to live by your flesh. You get to be in control. Your, your flesh is this physical body, right? But it doesn't get to call the shots. Even that is surrendered to him. We make the decision. Yes, Lord. Right? So there's two pitfalls that I see commonly inside the church that cause the body of believers or individuals who are a part of the body of Christ to be separate. And it's interesting because they're pointed out in scripture here, which means that 2000 years ago, they knew that this was even an issue. So this is not new ways of thinking for us in today's church. This means these are things and issues and thought processes that were an issue way back then. And so they saw ahead of time, let's take care of this, right? So it's the same lies, same thought process that the enemy's been doing to break apart the body of Christ ever since the beginning and creation of the church. They need to be addressed then, they need to be addressed now. And we need to realize that we're not the only ones with these same thought processes. We're not the first ones with them, but we're just walking through it. And it's part of us that needs to come into alignment with God, amen? So the first one is this, the first lie is I don't belong and I'm not a part. I don't belong and I'm not a part. 
of the body of Christ. How many of you have ever said that? I don't belong. I'm not a part. This feeling of rejection, that's a big one. But look at verse 15, 1 Corinthians 12, 15. It says this, if the foot says I'm not of the part of the body because I'm not a hand, it still doesn't make it any less a part of the body. Sometimes we say, well, I'm not a part because I'm not this, or I'm not good enough like this, or nobody wants me. It doesn't matter how you feel about that. It doesn't even matter if somebody may treat you that way. Because the fact is, is you're still a part of the body. You're still a part of the body of Christ. But not allowing those excuses for you to come into agreement and say, well, I'm not a part. I'm not even a valuable part of the body of Christ. Truth is, there are parts of our own physical body like the spleen. But for whatever reason, God still wants it there. And you have way more value than a spleen. But really though, a lot of times that we start to think, well, I'm not valuable, you believe a lie and you withdraw and pull yourself away from the body of Christ, which causes you not to be able to come to your fullest and be everything that God's called you to be because you are supposed to be a part of the body of Christ and it causes a fracture inside of the body as well. So coming out of agreement with that lie and saying, you're right, God, I am sorry for believing a lie. I'm sorry for receiving rejection. I'm sorry for living from that place. God, help me overcome this. Help me see that I am a part of the body. And then my friends stepping into the body, scared. A step of faith, courage, because there's a place for you. There's a place for you. You're a valuable part, just like our incredible special needs community. They're not just meant to attend, there's something they can contribute. It's all part of the body of Christ, but recognizing it and realizing that it's not God's way of thinking and coming out of agreement with that. Why would someone tell themselves they don't fit or belong? Could be low self-esteem, could be past previous experience or hurt, could be that they don't see their value could be that they don't have faith that God must even see their value. It could be their identity. So my friends, what tells me there is that tells me, my goodness, it's time for us to dive into the word of God, to renew our mind, to get here as much as you can, to get in a small group, to get into Eclipse classes, and to even counseling, ministry, whatever is needed to realize that you begin to understand that God's, how much God values you and how he sees you. And that you begin to teach yourself to see, your, see yourself the way God sees you. Amen. And that you begin to forgive people in the past and begin to come out of bad experiences and realize that people hurt people. And there's a whole lot of people in the body of Christ because that's what makes up the body of Christ. So are you probably going to get hurt again? There's a really good chance people are going to hurt your feelings again. But that's part of the body and learning to forgive and to learning to keep coming back into the body of Christ. Amen. So that's the first one. That first lie is I don't belong and I'm not a part. The second one is this. I don't need you or anyone else. Okay. Verse 21. 
says this, I can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Now that's a silly illustration because we would never if look at the body and be like, it's okay that I can never say to the hand. Like we wouldn't, like, of course, when you look at a physical makeup of the body, like the eye needs a hand and the hand needs the feet. Like we, it, the whole body working together needs the whole body, right? But sometimes we in the body of Christ, because again, this is an illustration helping us to understand how the, how the church is supposed to function. We may not realize or value the other parts of the body of Christ. And so we just assume that I don't need anybody else. I don't need to be a part of the body of Christ, that I'm okay, just me and Jesus. I can do this by myself. I don't see why I need this person that's so different from me. But if you look at verse 18, it says this. Our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. And he values all of the different parts. What makes us different from one another? He values all the different things around us. And sometimes we have to begin to understand and value who's in the body of Christ with us and begin to see them. But it starts with us understanding how God sees us so that we can then also begin to see how God sees the people around us. Because we can't be effective in ministering to the world if we can't even value our own brothers and sisters. There's so many parts to that because you have something powerful to give. And if you exclude yourself from the body, you're not fulfilling your greatest potential either. And God knows in his wisdom that you need to be connected to a body to have to receive everything that you need. Because if you're a hand, you need the rest of the body to fully function. And that's God's heart and design. He wants you to be a functioning part of the body of Christ. That's the illustration of the church. That's how it was designed and we're designed to function. So Romans 12, verses 4 through 8 say this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Right there in scripture. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Wait a minute, that means that possibly the way I think might need to be changed or may not be correct. But God can help us change the way you think. How do you do that? By renewing your mind. How do you renew your mind? By getting into the word of God, reading the word of God and beginning to understand it. And then you begin to understand over time as you change the way you think, the value of the thing begins to increase because you learn about it. You learn about the value in the body of Christ. You learn about the value and the anointings and giftings on the inside of your brothers and sisters. The value of a thing begins to increase. The value of a thing of the church of the body of Christ begins to supersede your own insecurities about being a part of the body. The body and the value of the body of Christ begins to supersede your own idea that you don't have to be a part, that you're fine on your own because you begin to understand that this is the way God designed for me to function. I'm at my best. The church is at our best when we're unified and we're together. You begin to understand the value and the beauty of a thing. And so then you begin to protect it. You begin to fight for something that you know is worth something. And then you know God's 
design of something, then the value of it goes up. Otherwise, if we don't understand that this is how we are supposed to function as a church, then we begin to listen to the lies of our culture and society and the world that start to devalue church. Say it's worthless. Why do you go? You don't have to go very much anymore. It's broken. It's dysfunctional. They just lie to you. All the lies that you hear in the media and from people around, we begin to value the opinions of other people who have no clue about what, how, why the church was designed or the value of the church or why Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And he's standing in the midst of the, of the seven golden candlesticks, right? The seven churches, he himself is in the very midst of them. So the church is incredibly important. So he's telling you, look, the church is metaphors to help you understand how it functions is it's the body of Christ. You are the temple of God, which means we're carriers of the anointing of God, carriers that are needed to work together as the body of Christ. We're the army of God, we're the family of God. All of these metaphors helping us understand this is who we are. This is what we do. We function at our bestest way, but we have to understand the value of a thing because it will take work to come out of one way of thinking and to step into the new. That's that sanctification process, which the word sanctification is just a long Christianese term that means that I'm growing in my walk with God. I'm being sanctified. I'm getting rid of old things, right? I'm stepping out of old things and stepping into the new. God's changing me. And just like Romans 12, 4, it says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. You gotta change the way you think to understand God's will, to value it, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. You know, honesty also isn't just, I don't need anybody, but it's honest evaluation that I've been believing a lie, that I'm inferior. Sometimes that's a taller, see, the idea that I don't need anybody else, people go, ooh, to that because pride is technically attached to that. But the same belief that you believe that I'm, I'm not valuable, I'm not worthless, there's rejection there. Sometimes we feel like that's tolerated more in the church and we start to feel sorry for people in that place. But it's still believing a lie. And at the very root of it, there is pride attached to that. And it's still something that we have to choose to come out of agreement with. And it's still not the honest, truthful assessment of who we are. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. If I don't understand the value and purpose of the church, I'll be content to live separately. A couple more quick points and then we'll close. When you understand the value of something, then you, you work to protect and to fight for it. 
And the last part I'm touching on is unity. The importance of unity in protecting the value of the body. You know, when I was looking at this, I thought of two different um, diseases that attack the physical body. MS, multiple sclerosis. I'm not a doctor. I don't know very much about it. But what I do know is that the body stops talking to itself properly. And so it begins to break down and not function together the way it's supposed to function. It's a disease. It deteriorates the body. How often do we allow dysfunction to happen where we stop talking and connecting to one another and then we don't function properly? But then also another disease that I know very well is my amazing sister has overcome and fought lupus her whole life. Well, not her whole life, but for years. And lupus is an autoimmune disease. And if you know much about autoimmune diseases, it's where your body, your immune system, which is there to protect you from outside foreign invaders, begins to turn on itself and attack its own body as if it was a foreign invader. All kinds of things with that. But how many, that's obviously detrimental to a physical body, but also detrimental to the church the body of Christ. If we begin to turn on ourselves and attack one another as a foreign invader or begin to put all of our attention on taking apart one another rather than building up and working together fluidly the way God designed us to function. Both diseases, both things that we allow to operate inside of us may be because we don't understand the value of a thing that we need to protect to uphold, to speak life over. Just like when you're praying for somebody for healing, what do you do? You speak life. You speak the word of God. You speak truth, right? You don't sit there and condemn and bring them lower. You're gonna lift, after all, you're all part of the same body. So doing that to one another, you're in essence doing it to yourself. You're causing yourself to have that struggle to live with that, it doesn't do any of us any favors. Protecting unity. Last scripture, Colossians 3, 12 through 17 says this. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ, peace that comes from Christ, rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Okay, I lied, one more scripture. 
Ephesians 4.16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Come on, somebody. He makes it. So don't believe the lie that says we don't fit. I'm just telling nowhere in scripture does it say that he's the one doing it. We're all different and he knows that, but he put us together as a body. He makes us fit and not just kind of fit. Or you know those puzzle pieces where you're trying to jam a piece in there, but it really doesn't go there, but you just really want to finish the puzzle. So you're really trying to make it fit in there. That's not kind of fit God's talking about. He fits us together perfectly so it's like like you know that's really satisfying you put that puzzle piece and it just goes right on into place he knows exactly all the different fits and pieces but we fit together perfectly and every puzzle piece is different every shape is different right but God designed us and we make up the body of Christ amen that is so exciting to me I love that uh, okay, okay, last one. Ephesians 5, 29 through 30. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church and we are members of his body. When you understand and value, understand the value of something, you fight to protect it. But in order to value the body of Christ, two things have to happen, and then I close. One, we need to be healthy individuals which means individually, we have to make sure that our thought process is on point. So if we have is on point aligning with the word of God, so if we've believed one of those two lies, or maybe it's a different lie that either you don't belong or you don't need to be a part, then that's submitting that to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, coming out of agreement with that, saying, okay, God, I'm gonna receive your truth for that lie, amen? So you have to be healthy, but then interacting with the body of Christ, that means you have to actually be growing, right? Be listening to the Lord, walking in love, growing as an individual so that we can contribute in a healthy way, right? So one, you have to be healthy individuals and two, we need to work together as a body, which means we have to begin to see the value in one another, which God sees it. Jesus sees the value in each of us. So maybe we can pray to be able to see people the way God sees them. Lord, give me your eyes. Help me see what you see. Do you know that that one thing overlooks, like if you practice that and help, God help me see people as you see them, you will, probably, you will become one of the most unoffendable people. Why? Well, just like Jesus, when people were hurting him, whatever, he didn't get offended. Why? Because he could see their hearts. And even when they were acting ugly, he knew that there was a reason. He knew that there was darkness there and he still said, God, forgive them. He still had the ability to love them in the midst of them crucifying him. So maybe rather than picking up the offense first, we just say, God, help me to see and to love like you love. Help me to respond in love. Help me to walk and love people like you love them. Let's be healthy and let's value other people and what they bring. I'm gonna pray. Let's pray. Let's just go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes real quickly. I'm just gonna pray over that word this morning. And then in just a second, I'm gonna give people an opportunity to give their lives to the Lord. Father, I thank you for that word. God, I thank you that you have us on a journey in a series called, What's the Deal with Church? Lord, in a society and a culture that tries to devalue church or say that it's not really worth it, we understand that church isn't a building, but it's the people, God, and that we are to be the body of Christ. God, and there's so much more to even that that we could have even shared today. 
God, but for the sake of time, you wanted us to understand that that's our identity, that we are the body of Christ, that that's who we are, God, and that we come out of agreement with lies that maybe told us that we didn't need to be a part of the body of Christ. Lord, so we ask for forgiveness for maybe believing or acting in a way that was contrary to that. But God, I just pray over that word, God. I just pray for such um, love and unity in this room. God, I pray that you would stir such a love for one another. God, you place the members in the house. God, so if you've placed us in this body, God, then we're meant to work together. We're meant to link arms. We're meant to be the body of Christ together. God, would you just stir so much love and unity and just help us to begin to value even more. God, maybe for the first time or maybe even more than we already do. God, would you just help us to just value and just link arms and love and begin to fight for the value, God, of this thing, the church, your body of Christ, your body. I thank you for that, Father. I thank you for moving us forward and understanding the value so that we'll protect it and fight for it. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, we never wanna let you leave here this morning without having an opportunity to give your life to the Lord. The Bible's very clear that all of us have sinned and fallen short and that we need a savior, Jesus Christ. And he did come and die on a cross and pay that penalty for our very sin. And so if you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you did at one point and you walked away, now's the time to make sure that you're right with him before you leave this morning. And so on the count of three, with every head bowed and every eye closed in the room, if that's you and you don't wanna leave here this morning, not in right relationship with Jesus, we're gonna give you an opportunity. You can, on the count of three, just raise your hand. We're gonna pray with you right at your seat. So on the count of three, if that's you, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus or you did at one point and walked away and it's time to come back. On the count of three, just raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. I'm gonna look and see. There's a hand back there. Praise God. I'm looking around. I don't wanna miss anybody. Thank you, Jesus. All right, church, there's a hand down front. Awesome. Praise God. All right, well, I know I saw two. There could be more. And so church and those watching online, would you just all repeat this prayer after me? There's nothing magical about the prayer. It's just a surrender and place of your heart before Jesus. Just repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I know that I've sinned and I've walked away from you. Thank you for forgiving me. I ask you to, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Can we celebrate that this morning? Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.